Welcome to Whitgift School, the podcast where we talk to staff, parents and pupils about topics that are relevant to you. In this episode, our very first, we speak to headmaster Chris Ramsey. Chris will be explaining to us some of the origins of the school, what advice he might give to a parent considering single sex versus co-educational school, and his answer might not be what you expect, but then we'll also be hearing about how Whitgift helps to develop pupils in all the other aspects of growing up outside of academic success. And we also get to find out some of Chris's favourite music, his movie choices for a Friday evening, and even what drink he might choose to enjoy with that. Now that's all coming up in the next 20 minutes, so stick around while we talk right now to Headmaster Chris Ramsey. Chris, welcome to the first episode of the school's new podcast channel. Uh, it's a real pleasure to have you here. How are you today? Uh, well, pretty good. Thanks very much. We're recording on Bank Holiday Monday and uh, it's, uh, as usual, just before the school restarts. Quite mm-hmm. an exciting restart for us this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, just the last day of, of, of sort of breathing space before term starts, really. Mm-hmm. And you say quite an exciting start this year. What's different about this year compared to previous years then? Well, of course, you know, the last uh, full school year, although, you know, I think we came through it really well as a school was very different uh, mm-hmm. as we all know uh, this one has at least a chance uh, uh, optimistically of being a much more normal school year so uh, so yeah we're, we're turning our attention you know back to the full school experience and hopefully mm. not having to worry too much about covid uh, who mm. knows but uh, that's the hope anyway Now, this episode is a conversation with yourself as head, and we're going to be talking about a number of different things to do with school life at Whitgift. But first of all, could you just tell us a little bit about your own education? So where you went to school, what your own experience of it was like, and and then what you did after you left school as well? Sure. So I I went to school at Brighton College. Uh, I usually say that was before Brighton College was Brighton College. Uh, It was very... uh, uh, a really good school, uh, much smaller, and uh, I have to say, much less sort of famous then than it than it's become now. Okay. Uh, born and brought up in Brighton, uh, went to university to read languages, and uh, probably fell into teaching as as people tend to do. I thought it was something I would enjoy, probably would be able to do reasonably well. And my 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 own school days. I mean, I I, I was I was. Actually, quite unhappy at, at, at junior school, uh, but very happy at senior school. So, I, you know, okay. I, I was one of these people who enjoyed my school experience. I think. And what was it you were unhappy about at junior school? Do you remember? Oh uh, well, I'm I'm a fairly sort of stubborn individual, and 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 I think looking back, I probably didn't like petty rules of <laughs> <laughs> being made to fit in. Uh, but uh, I think my senior school uh, gave me a lot of scope to learn uh, what it was I really liked. Uh, I played a lot of sport, did a lot of acting, did a lot of debating, uh, really kind of, I think you'd say these days, embraced the full experience. I'm not sure we said that in those days, but uh, that's probably mm. what I did. Okay, let's take it back to Whitgift then. Tell me a little bit about the origins of the school as one for boys. Yeah, well, it's, it's in some ways, Whitgift's got this, a very similar kind of, of foundation as many schools founded in 1596. John Whitgift, it was his gift to his home, the, the, the then village of, of Croydon. What's mm-hmm. quite unusual, though, and, and different to, to, to some of the schools that were, were founded by sort of philanthropists in those days, is that he founded it as a, as a, uh, for, for both young people, for education for boys, but also for old people. And that, that link between the uh, care homes that the foundation still runs and the schools is 
gives a very interesting angle. Originally, of obviously in those days, it was a school for boys. A few hundred years later, the, the foundation set up a second school, now Trinity School, uh, also for boys. Uh, they woke up, I suppose, in the 1980s to the fact that, that, that education was for girls too and, and founded a girls' school, Old Palace. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our relationship as a school with Old Palace is a very good, very strong one. And I suppose both of us as schools believe that single-sex education still works well for us. And uh, Trinity has girls in the sixth form very successfully. Whitgift has continued to be very successful as a boys' school uh, with that partnership with Old Palace. So if I was a parent right now and Mm. I'm considering uh, the idea of a single-sex school compared to a co-ed school, I I think virtually any parent that's considering a single-sex school will also be considering the the, the differences between that and a co-ed. What advice would you give to someone who's weighing up those different options? Well, the first thing I'd always say, and and you know my uh, my previous uh, headship was at a co-ed school, so I, I would always say I'm not I'm not some kind of evangelist for single sex education as the only solution. It, it, it it's very much uh, a parental choice and a family choice and a, and, a, and a student choice. There are some fantastic co-ed schools. Uh, there are some single sex schools which which. You know, aren't that good? You know, it's not it's not the being single sex or co-ed that makes a school a great school. Mm. Uh, I, I would say that um, one of the things in in and having worked both in single sex schools, my first job was in a single sex school, and and uh, but also in co-ed schools. I would say one of the big differences is around boys being really able to be themselves uh, and and not stereotyped and 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 I think that's really important I think sometimes not always but sometimes in a co-ed school you will get the girls gravitating to what I guess are perceived to be girl friendly activities I'm thinking for example I don't know of dance or jewelry making or or whatever it is Mm. and the boys feeling they need to gravitate to you know the sport and the the technology Mm. and 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 the physics and so on and so forth I think one of the great things about a boys school like Whitgift is um you know we, we we do musicals and we have all the activities that you would expect. And, of course, the boys mm. have got to do them all. I mean, our mm. musical this year is going to be Billy Elliot. We've, we've got boy ballet dancers. Mm. Uh, we've, uh, we uh, Sometimes in a co-ed school, something like journalism, for example, is dominated by girls. Language is dominated by girls. In a boys' school, the boys are able to do all these things. And, mm. and, and I think Old Palace would say the same. You know, mm-hmm. they... they their girls get an experience which is in some ways broader and I suppose linked to that the other point I I, I would make and this I think is really important these days is that in a boys school you can help the boys realize that they don't have to show off to girls Hmm. I mean there's there's no there's no sense in which they're having to sort of um to, to, to pretend to be something else they can they can you know just concentrate on doing what they enjoy doing what they love mm. uh, and uh, and and finding their passions without this needing to show off um being frank and open for a minute yeah. are, are there any downsides any negatives you can think of about a single sex school that a co-ed school might not have well i mean i think the big challenge for a single sex school it's sort of building on what what i said there is is ensuring that the boys um you know, don't develop that the bad side of masculinity, and I would say the same for mm-hmm. girls. You know, mm-hmm. uh, 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 
stereotyping in a way for a moment you know boys can sometimes be more competitive more impulsive more instinctive in in teaching and by the way just to sort of go back on on boys schools and, and co-ed schools i think sometimes in co-ed schools the teaching can become a bit monochrome because the teachers are having to sort of uh, uh, work towards a sort of a, 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 a mean between the the typical girl hard-working side and the boy okay. more competitive side but but the challenge picking up your, your question there is to make sure the boys don't become you know too if you like extreme in that mas- typically masculine behavior and, mm. and and that's where again in a boys school we can have that conversation about what it means to be a good man mm-hmm. um very openly without feeling that that, that, that that's something that, that we've got to moderate because it's a co-ed school. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there, I mean, there are challenges to a, to a single-sex school, which um, it's not that they're not there in a co-ed school, but in, in a sense they're perhaps uh, magnified in a single-sex school. Mm-hmm. No, I understand. Okay, so let's look then at the whole independent school environment because we've heard a lot in the media recently about the discussion of the Me Too campaign. Mm. And there's a general sense in some places that independent schools in particular might be a source of some of that problem at least. What are your thoughts on that and how might Whitgift have responded to this in the past? Yeah, I mean, uh, whether it's whether it's Me Too, whether it's everyone's invited, whether it's uh, you know any of these sort of catalysts, I guess, um, mm. and, and, and you might include in that... Um, the whole Black Lives Matter movement, you know, these these these, you know, really, I think, rightly challenging movements, which which challenge, if you like, privilege. I mean, the first thing I'd say is I, I think these are societal issues. I mean, I know that's a bit of a cliche, but I don't think they are issues which are school issues as such. And I, and I don't think they're independent school issues as such, except that, you know, as an independent school and as a boys independent school, I do think we have that sort of special duty if you like as I said to prepare boys for a society number one that's not single sex clearly and a society that's not monocultural and a society in which they don't you know they don't have any rights to um to think themselves better than other people or or able to to ignore other people so I think those values around um understanding that they've been very fortunate very, very 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 lucky that you know they have been privileged. That's not a bad thing in itself, but it does bring with it responsibility too. I think that's a kind of overarching value that that, that I'd hope that we uh, take very seriously. Hmm. I mean, I think you know the, the the key maybe change in the in the way in the last few years that we've approached educating the boys at Whitgift. We're very upfront with them right from the word go. I mean, the, one of the first things I will do next week is talk to the new boys, and the, almost the first thing I say to them is. You are very fortunate. You're fortunate to be here, whether it's because your parents have have sacrificed things to send you here, whether it's because you're a a bursary holder, uh, which about a quarter of our boys are, or whether it's you know who, whoever it is who's who's got you to here. You are very fortunate, and you have a duty to repay that. And that's something that I think we're certainly much more upfront with uh, uh, with the boys. Uh, about now than, than we probably ever were and uh, I think that that underlines that point of responsibility we will expect our leavers to give literally give money to the school we will expect them to to, mm. to give a parting gift interesting and what sort of parting gifts have they involved in the past then 
So the, the last two years, I mean, you know, uh, th- this has got to come from them. Last year's Upper Sixth Formers funded the Community Summer School okay. uh, that we run for, for, for local Year 5 students. This okay. year's uh, Upper Sixth Formers have, have done, a, 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 again, they've, they've funded a lot of it. It's a much bigger operation this year than, than in, in the past. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, they've, they, you know, I'm thinking of, of this last Upper Sixth Form team uh they did a, a, a massive sort of sponsored um lands end john o'groats event to raise oh, wow. money you know we want them to realize that you know they don't take um they also give and do you think that most of the boys end up leaving understanding fully that 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 privilege that they've had well i, I you know one mustn't be too kind of uh rosy cheeked uh, uh, uh spectacles about this i hope so i mean i think that um, what I'm describing is 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 a relatively recent development. The l- l- last few years, I think, probably in the sector, in the independent sector, um, until the last few years, it was much more about uh, achievement and success. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, I think the emphasis is rightly shifting towards um, yes, making sure they achieve and exceed their potential as students but also that they have great you know values mm. uh, and and thoughtful uh, and uh, outward looking values and i think that's probably a, that's probably a sector shift mm-hmm. uh, and it's certainly we're certainly um very very willingly embrace, embracing it at whitgift and do you think that some of the more traditional parents appreciate the uh the contribution that schools like Whit- whitgift make regarding the um, instilling of those values that you talk about uh, in conjunction with the academic grades that previous generations might think are are the be-all and end-all of independent education? Well, I'd, I'd say two things there. I, mean, I think firstly, um, in a sense, certainly in terms of Whitgift, um, they they would have to. Uh, you, you know, Whitgift is a very diverse community. It's, as I say, got... Uh, um, over a quarter of its students on very significant bursaries. Mm. It's a very, it's a very ethnically diverse community. It's a very socially diverse community. So if you were, for want of a better word, a, a, a sort of traditional independent school family, mm-hmm. um, you 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 have to accept that coming to Whitgift. That that that's what Whitgift is. And and, and the second thing I'd say is is that talking to uh, our, our parents, I'm struck by the number of times that uh, those if you like traditional families, the kinds of families for whom independent education is is something that's pretty much a given, if you like, mm. um, they very often say, look, we we were attracted to Whitgift because our son will not just be with people like himself. Uh, uh, right. If you like professional families or, mm. or, or families for whom that is a, a, a independent education is is a natural thing they will be with families for whom you know and some of our our, our, our bursary boys come from families who would never have never have dreamed of, of, of an independent education some of them don't even know what it is before they start so mm. that, that 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 sense of being in a much more real world if you like situation is an mm. attraction for those if you like traditional families now, of course, Whitgift is an HMC school, and previously, I believe, you were chair of the Higher Education Committee. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, what it means to be an HMC school? Well, I mean, what an HMC school is in the first place, and, and how, in particular, you were involved in that? Thank you. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a, 
a strange institution in some ways, HMC. It stands for Headmasters and Headmistresses Conference. Uh, it's actually legally a trade union. Uh, so it's uh, effectively, it's the organisation which brings together the heads of uh, just around 300 of what we like to call the leading independent schools, the ones that people would have heard of, if, if you like. Hmm. And it's a very uh, diverse group of schools. There are boarding schools, there are day schools, there are single-sex schools, there are co-ed schools. And, and um, having been involved in it both as a member and uh, in some of its uh, uh, committees and, and leadership roles for a while, I would say the, the only thing that binds us together is that we are all independent schools. We're independent of government and we are charities. So we're not-for-profit uh, and uh, it makes it a very interesting organisation to try and lead because uh, all, all, all the heads and all the schools will have uh, different, uh, in, in some ways, different attitudes. Some are highly academic, some are much more all-round. But that key thing of being independent and not-for-profit is, is, is what holds them uh, together. And, and for, uh, so for seven years, I, I was chair of the university's subcommittee, uh, I gave that up uh, uh, with my successor said impeccable timing uh, in February 2020. So, uh, <laughs> right. just, just before it became impossible <laughs> to visit universities. So poor, poor chap, my successor has been doing it all by Zoom. Mm. Um, yeah. uh, and and that, that, that particular group, the university's group, is a fascinating, a very, you know, wonderful good fortune that I had to, to, to chair it. It's, it's, I think, it is the only group which links school leaders with university leadership. So it, it's it's HMC schools, but also state schools on the group um, meeting uh, three or four times a year with university leaders and being able to discuss how we make the transition to university um, better. And, and, and the, the thing that I, I suppose I'm, I'm sort of, proudest of in a way about my time is we managed to get away from an obsession with admissions mm -hmm. uh, um, which dominated for years and years and years uh, everything we talked about and actually start to talk about the student experience and how how universities and schools can better prepare youngsters for for you know what is a great experience going to higher education it's a wonderful mm. experience so really hugely enjoyed it and, and I think got a lot out of it. And you mentioned earlier about a quarter of the boys being bursary holders. Tell me a little bit more about this and also about the view that sometimes independent schools might offer unfair advantages to younger people. How do, how do you get that balance between those bursary holders about those unfair advantages and, and, and young people? How do you keep all of that in check? Well, yeah, that's a really good good, good point and, 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 and it is quite a complex picture. I mean, just in terms of independent school pupils being at an advantage, I mean, purely financially and purely in terms of resources, you, you simply cannot deny it. I mean, mm. uh, independent school kids will have, you know, more per head spent on their education by some considerable margin than, than state school students. Mm. Mm. It, it slightly depends how you calculate it, um, but, you know, it, it, it is not possible to deny that. And the other thing about independent schools, and I would say this is this is this is a very important thing for people to to, to hold in mind. They are uniquely accountable 
to mm. their parents. Mm. Uh, the, 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 an independent school has to do things well, has to deliver a good service to its customers, if you like, its parents and its students. Mm-hmm. And if it does that, it will succeed. And if it doesn't, it won't. Whereas a, a maintained school, um, although that is to an extent the same, doesn't have that same really raw and very immediate accountability so yeah i mean it it is true that goes back to what i was saying earlier about the boys at wickgift need to understand that they have had a really really good very fortunate education in terms of the bursary boys we are we we have to balance and and it's a it's a constant kind of it's a thing we have to constantly watch we have to balance the boys who are on fee concessions are no different to the other boys they they, we expect no more of them or no less of them uh and they are not kind of you know treated any way differently on the other hand they sometimes come from backgrounds where they will need some more support and, and, and some more understanding. So we have to make sure that the right people know, mm-hmm. um, so their, 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 their tutors and heads of year will know who are on bursaries, mm-hmm. but that's not that we know. We don't list them in, a, in some kind of you know, school list or, or, or anything like <laughs> no. that. Uh, and I usually say to them, I always meet with the parents of those who are on full bursaries, um, so, so literally all fees paid and all extras paid and mm-hmm. all trips paid of, of whom we have, um, you know, a, a good number every year. Uh, and I always meet with the parents and I say, look, you know, that the, your son should know this. It's, it's not fair for him not to know. Don't let it weigh on him as some kind of, you know, something he's got to kind of live up to. On the other hand, we do expect him to rise to, we expect him to try his hardest and rise to the challenge mm. uh, and we also expect if he is successful that he remembers the, the fact that he was fortunate so there is mm. this kind of balance in play um, mm. we mustn't be expecting too much of them but we must expect enough mm. Mm. thank you for explaining that chris we've talked about school and the wider context in which it sits i'd like to ask something about you now maybe something that the people listening to this right now might not know about you. So I'm going to create a little scenario for you. Let's imagine that you're at home, it's Friday evening, you're on your own, and you have access to the whole library of music in the world. What do you listen to? Music, goodness. Mm. Um, I think I'm, going to, I'm slightly going to duck the question. I think it would depend on the mood. Um, I, uh, if, 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 if I'm in sort of just want to reflect and, and be fairly serious uh uh i would listen to elgar okay well, a cello concerto maybe no symphony symphony uh, uh, uh what, what symphonies one or two okay uh if i just wanted to listen to something completely kind of uh relaxing i'd listen to some of my son's music so my middle son composes and sings so so i'd listen okay. to some of his music mm-hmm. uh or probably something if i was going to go back in life it would probably be blondie or something like that oh right okay wow uh so so let's stick with that for a second what else from that kind of uh era of music you mentioned about Bl- about blondie i mean who else might you have listened to back then <laughs> well that was my the first record i ever bought uh and uh, m- my school we uh, we had day houses and mm-hmm. we uh, uh, were allowed to bring in uh, sort of record players or, or cassette players god that's going back a bit isn't it uh <laughs> and that was the first record i what drove my housemaster mad uh what else did i listen to then goodness meatloaf probably okay 
Can't remember much else. No. <laughs> okay, and then let's say you've got access to every movie that's ever been made, and it's still that Friday night. You've turned the music off. Uh, what movie might you choose to watch instead? That's, a, again, a great... It would, again, would depend on mood. If you're asking me what my favourites are that I would go back to... Um, I mean, The Player is a fantastic movie. I, I would watch that. Uh, again and again, Diva, the the, the Ben Eggs film, uh, mm-hmm. is 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 one I've I've seen probably twenty times and would would happily watch Gosh. that again. Mm-hmm. Can't think of anything else at the moment. And then let's say last question that you're that you're going to have a drink with this. Uh, would you have a glass of wine or a whiskey or a beer or maybe a non-alcoholic cocktail? Uh, goodness, you do ask great questions, don't you? <laughs> uh, I don't drink spirits anymore, uh, mm-hmm. and I probably would have a glass of wine. Glass of red wine. Glass of red wine. Very good. Very good. Um, Chris, we're going to bring this to a close in a minute. But for anyone who's heard anything and might want to get in touch with the school following anything that you said, um, what's the best way for them to connect with you? Um, happy for people to email. They, they often do. That, that will get its way to me through my office. And uh, we're always happy to hear from people. And that email address is hmw@witgift.co.uk. Well, look, Chris, thank you for your time. Thank you for being here today and opening up school life for us, especially some of these important topics and even more especially for being here on a bank holiday Monday. Great, great to speak to you. Thanks very much. So that was Chris Ramsey, headmaster of Whitgift School. Thank you, Chris, for opening up this new podcast channel by explaining to us what life is like inside the school. Now, if you're listening to this podcast channel, then why not subscribe or follow it? That just means that you'll get a small notification the next time an episode is released, which means you won't miss it. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this episode, our very first, and we look forward to seeing you again soon. Bye for now.